Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 9.18 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 13th of September, 2022. This is episode 614 of Bitcoin and I'm coming in hot. Why am I coming in hot? Because I am number one. The Bitcoin and podcast is number one on Fountain App Charts. That's right. Who am I beating out? Let's find out who I'm beating out. I'm beating out No Agenda. Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak coming in number two. I'm beating Rabbit Hole Recap coming in number three. Podcasting 2.0, another one of Adam Curry's podcasts coming in at four. Even beating my mentor. That's right. The Survival the survival Podcast is coming in at a mere number five. Citadel Dispatch with one of my favorite people in the world, Matt O'Dell, can't even come close to me at number six. Bowl after bowl with Spencer and Lorian, not sure who that is, coming in on my heels at number seven. That's right. I'm number one on the fountain app and it's all completely fake. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, as much as it makes me happy to actually see this, it doesn't make me very happy that this is actually not true. And let me explain what's going on so that I, you know, well, I, I can at least have some fun with it without being, you know, a complete, you know, asshole that's not telling the truth about what what is occurring. And what is occurring? Well, what's occurring is a glitch in Fountain Apps, um, at least as far as my podcast is concerned. It's glitching and people that are trying to give me boostograms, they, and I, I explained this a little bit yesterday, but let's take, let's take the example of Tar, one of the people that are supporting this show all the time, honestly, and, and God bless them for that. But Pitar was trying to send me like, you know, a third of a million sats and it didn't work. It didn't come out of his his wallet. He tried to send me 150,000 sats. Didn't work. Didn't come out of his wallet. He tried 50. He tried 100. He tried 125. He he tried all manner of numbers and it just wasn't working except that it kind of was. I never received the Satoshis that he sent. However, as far as Fountain App's charting feature is concerned, I did. And therefore, that put me well over the top of all these other podcasts, most of which are better than this one. I mean, let's face it, dude. I love Citadel Dispatch. I love Rabbit Hole Recap. I love TFTC. I love the Survival Podcast. I love No Agenda. I, I, I just over I really, really enjoy listening to podcasting 2.0 because it kind of keeps me up to date as to what's going on in podcasting 2.0. But this is nothing more than a glitch, but it makes me way happy to actually have a screenshot of me on top in the number one spot. That's kind of awesome. 
So let's read some boostograms that I hope I did get the Satoshis off of. This one is from Ptar, 25,000 sats. Uh, this is the man that started it all. Thank you, Ptar. I'd speculate nearly all people who invest in shitcoin number one are have zero interest in changing the system and are just in it for the fiat profit. This staking fiasco looks like it's designed to jack up the fiat price for an eventual and monumental rug pull. Also, I see independent podcasting and freedom money coming together in podcasting 2.0 as vital for a free and open society. Hopey to get, hopey, ah, hopey, happy to give back where I can and my balance hasn't changed. Sorry. So he was, I did not get that 25,000 Satoshis and that's totally okay. I'm going to read this stuff anyway. Letter 6173 with the striper boost 7,777 sats says, be sats in the street and Bitcoin in the sheets. Ha! Fatoshi with 5,000 sats says, I wonder if you could mention the fake environmental narrative of the merge. Countries head or counties headlines are calling the merge Good for the planet. Oh, country's headlines are calling the merge good for the planet. No matter your opinion on proof of work, the GPUs aren't just going to turn off. Vitalik himself told the miners to fork off and mine ETC. He's right. Okay, so let's address this a little bit. It is a fake environmental narrative of the merge, but that's just a that's just a furtherance of the fake economic or the fake environmental message behind fudding Bitcoin, behind anything about proof of work. This has nothing at all to do with energy usage. And we've always got to re constantly remind ourselves of that. This is th the people that are in control want to remain there. This is going to threaten that. They can't control this. Therefore, they're going to whip out every single tool that they have in their box of tools to be able to kill the these things. I don't like Ethereum. I think that it's a complete shit show. You've got five entities controlling 64% of all staked ETH. How is that any different than the ECB, the Federal Reserve, and like you name it, Central Bank of China, European Central Bank, all of that shit. All of it. It's just the same thing. But the FUD around environmental usage. Of course, Vitalik is going to latch onto that narrative. He's going to latch onto that narrative. Why? Because he's not all that inventive. Yeah, I know you're laughing at me. Yeah, you invented Ethereum. The whole reason Ethereum came out is because he was working on color coins, which was a little project on top of Bitcoin, and nobody wanted to listen to what he had to say. Good for him. He forked, He didn't fork off. He just built his own thing. But it ends up being that he's becoming more and more aligned with what we already have because it's easier it's easier. He's going to be able to get a better traction on all this stuff by, by aligning himself with governments. And that's, he's never going to come out and, and, and start talking about how all the people need to be free. Well, he has, but he's slowly going to diminish that until he never says it again. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So that's what I, that's my two cents on that. Quentin Wallace, 500 Satoshis, no message. Fatoshi with a second message, 500 sat says, I'll bet your audience would like the channel S2 Underground on YouTube. I've never seen it, but I just plugged it. So there you go. Hey, I got 500 sats for it, brother. 
Uh, Fatoshi also says for 500 sets, yo, came out of my wallet. Okay, well, at least that one I got. Uh, Fatoshi with a fifth or fourth uh, boostagram says, how do I make this pay per minute? Oh, uh, Fatoshi, if you are on uh, Fountain app or Breeze Wallet app, Look for, look, go to, go to your settings and start looking around for how to stream sats. It's going to be different in different places, depending on the application that you're using. But most of them have that. It's there, but you got to look for it. I would start going to Satoshi's in Fountain App. Go and look uh, on like uh, the three, the three little dots that are horizontal on top of the, uh, either the podcast itself that you're listening to or the episode of the podcast that you're listening to, that you're listening to and see if it's there. Um, I can't remember where it is right now, but I've got a couple of other ones to read. Uh, we got Grand Optimist, a 250 sats. We got uh, Chris Chartel, 16, 100 sats. EarBTC at 10 sats. And Herring, Harrington's dad at two Satoshis. And I appreciate Every single one of those Satoshis. Let's do the news. Visa, MasterCard, and American Express will add a new merchant category for firearms retailers. That's right. A victory for gun control advocates who hate the fucking Second Amendment and have pressed the financial industry to do more to help curb mass shootings. That is what the Wall Street Journal tweeted out on the 11th of September. Okay, so that was, a yeah, it was a couple of days ago. But if you didn't hear that, Visa, MasterCard, and American Express are going to track. They're going to track gun shops with a new merchant code. Never before in the history of the United States of America and for the health of the Second Amendment has Bitcoin been more important. Has ghost guns been more important? Has 3D printing been more important? That free open source software solutions have been more important. There's never been a time in our history. There's never been a time in the history of mankind that has been more important, but this is exactly why Bitcoin. This is just step one. See, these guys are gonna go, oh, well, we're just gonna track you. Well, that's gonna turn into, we're going to suppress you, and then we're gonna come find you and throw you into penitentiary, right? This is the single greatest attack on the Second Amendment that we have. Why? Because the government is turning to private companies to circumvent the Bill of Rights. If you allow this shit to happen, you're going to wake up. All of us are going to wake up on the shores that our forefathers conquered as slaves that are penniless, landless, homeless. You name it, man. You name it. If, you th- if you're a gun control advocate and you're listening to this, when it happens to a right that you do want out of the Bill of Rights, then you're going to understand what you advocated for because you're advocating for the destruction of your very own rights. The second point that I want to make here is the only reason they're going after guns is because they want us defenseless. And how do I know this? Because nobody is getting to the root of the problem of why are people shooting shit up anyway? I could tinfoil hat this and say the FBI and CIA are at the bottom of getting to all these people that are hapless little nitwits and midwits and convince them that the best way for them to serve their country is to go shoot up a school. 
I'm not even going to go there because I don't have to. Why? Well, because the only thing that we need to look at is the fact that nobody is addressing why this shit is occurring in the first place. Why are people driving trucks through crowds in Germany? Why are people going on knife attacks in, I don't know where it was this last time, I think it was Canada, killing, I think, 10 people and nobody's wanting to take away the knives, unless you're in the UK, of course, where they really don't like knives either. They don't like guns, they don't like knives. Honestly, they should just wrap everybody in rubber suits that are inflated and let them walk around and bounce into each other for, for all that matters. <clears throat> Nobody is getting to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is our money has been broken for decades. Decades. A lot longer than that if you really get down to it. That's the problem, but nobody wants to fix that problem. This problem is going to get worse and worse and worse. And at one point, the, lev's gonna, the levy's going to break. And all the people that you thought were helpless, afraid, and unable to commit violence against the state are going to have their own Bastille Day, except this time it will be a global Bastille Day. And it's not going to be pretty, and I don't want to see it happen, and I'd rather it not happen, but when the state just refuses to lay the fuck off, that's what you're going to get. And it's too bad. It's just too damn bad that that's probably what's going to end up occurring. It may not be tomorrow. It probably won't be next week. But it will be soon. And when it happens, it's going to be a ferocious time. Because these people will not quit fucking with you. I'm just saying, I'm not advocating anybody to go out and commit any violence, but facts are facts. I saw a tweet last night said something about they're just going to make everybody scared and, and, and keep them hungry and they'll be so malnourished that they won't be able to fight. Yeah, you might want to go check out what happened to the people, the peasants of France right before the French Revolution and see what the scared and the, the malnourished are able to commit when they are pissed off enough. I'm not advocating for it. This is history. The French people broke, broke into the Bastille not to let out the prisoners because the Bastille had an armory and they raided the armory and the French Revolution happened. Not that the aftermath of the French Revolution wasn't good, guys. I mean, it's like they, they killed all the, the aristocracy and they got rid of all the royals and not more than 20 years later, they had another fucking king because people will not ever learn. They'll get pissed off, they'll boil over. And then once the boil over happens and the water comes back down, they just, we leave ourselves on the heat and the water boils back up and we never learn to turn off the stove and make a nice pot of tea with it. Just, I'm just saying, man. So y'all need to, we all need to be aware of what the hell's going on around us. Just saying. Now, one of the things that's going on around us is that Bitcoin has dropped below $22,000 as the US CPI declines less than expected to a mere 8.3%. Yeah, uh, all their inflation shit is not working. Uh, this is, in fact, written by Sean Amick from Bitcoin Magazine. Inflation fell to 8.3% from a year-over-year -year perspective, marking the second consecutive month of a declining consumer price index report. Following the inflation numbers release, Bitcoin immediately dropped below $22,000, a level it had managed to sustain for the past few days. 
August's CPI print came higher than expected as almost every single metric used to track the metric rose MOM arose <clears throat> month over month. That's what MOM means, month over month, except the energy sector. And as a result, the Fed is expected to keep tightening further as a 75 basis point hike in September is now fully priced in and the odds for a 100 BPS uh, raise have increased while the scenario poses a challenge to assets such as Bitcoin and stocks, the dollar is set to get stronger. I told you this shit was going to happen. While inflation appears to be slowing down, the year-over-year -year numbers for many sectors still remains exceptionally high, and month-over-month -month inflation still remains an issue. This month's slightly lower CPI report is almost entirely due to declining energy prices. Energy commodities and gasoline both lowered about 10%, with fuel oil dropping almost 6% month-over-month, the only other sector to go down in August was used cars and trucks, which fell 0.01%. The highest sectors experiencing high levels of year-over-year -year inflation include fuel oil, utility gas services, and energy commodities, with the entire sector having inflated by nearly 24%. Looking at month-over-month, -month, utility piped services rose 3.5% in August, with the sector of energy services still rising 2.1%. Therefore, while inflation seems to be slowing down in the broader sense, there is still plenty of economic concerns the Federal Reserve will need to contend with as it further offloads its balance sheets and drive up interest rates. Not good for housing and not good for me because I'm trying to sell my house at this point. Uh, you know, my timing, I swear to God, sometimes I just wonder if I was just I, I'm really surprised that I haven't been run over by a gravel truck because my timing is so horribly bad that you would expect me to walk across the street at exactly the wrong time to walk across the street. But such is my life. Hey, at least I'm number one on the charts, baby. El Salvador launches two, not one, but two debt repurchase offers amid uncertainty over its Bitcoin bond. This is Coindesk. Now, caveat, not... Terribly sure if that's Bukele's impetus here is that he's that there's concerns over the Bitcoin bond, but this is occurring. He is offering repurchase offers, and it's kind of interesting. Let's get into it from Andres Engler from Coindesk. Mm -hmm. The government of El Salvador issued an offer on Monday to buy back a portion of its sovereign debt bonds maturing in 2023 and 2025. El Salvador established a purchase price of $910 for the bonds maturing in 2023 and a $540 price for those bonds maturing in 2025. Each bond is worth a total of $800 million. In July, when El Salvador's president Bukele presented the repurchase plan, it was seen as an attempt to counter speculation about a potential default by El Salvador amid strained relations between the Central American country and the traditional credit market, particularly after El Salvador established Bitcoin as legal tender in September 2021. As of now, El Salvador is down roughly 50% on its sizable investments in Bitcoin, representing a potential loss of $52.4 million drop in the bucket, according to Coindesk data based on Bukele's announcements. El Salvador's $1 billion Bitcoin bond still does not have a launch date despite being announced in November of 2021 by Bukele. Bitfinex and Tether Chief Technology Officer Paolo Arduino, 
who has worked closely with El Salvador on the Bitcoin bond project, said last month that government officials told him, have told him to expect passage in September. That would be this month. The bond repurchase offer will be available between September the 12th and September the 20th, El Salvador said, adding that the settlement of validity, validly tendered and accepted notes is scheduled to occur on or about September 22nd. Deutsche Bank Securities will serve as the dealer manager. Uh, Deutsche Bank. We won't even get go there. El Salvador added that the offer is subject to an aggregate amount not to exceed uh, $360 million to purchase the principal amount of notes accepted for tender and pay accrued interest and any premium with respect to such notes. So there you go. Uh, that's the two uh, <clears throat> the two repurchase plans. Uh, one is the bond uh, Xperia in 2023. The other one is the Xperia in 2025. Um, as to whether or not this has anything at all to do with the Bitcoin bond thing, I don't know. It just sounds to me like Bukele is taking a page out of Sailor's book and just saying, hey, I got this debt instrument over here. Would you like to get in on it? And it'll be interesting to see if they sell. That's the key measure here. It's not that he offered it. <clears throat> There's two ways this can go, or maybe three. He offers it and it's cold duck, dead on the floor. Nobody buys shit. Nobody wants it. No, They just stay away from it. That would be really bad news. Yeah, kind of bad news, but bad news nonetheless. It could be lukewarm reception where some people buy some or it could be hot as fire and everybody buys everything within seconds of opening, right? So we'll have to see what happens with the actual purchase of these bonds. So keep track of that. Meanwhile, let's uh, go on into the only potential benefit of central bank digital currencies, Bitcoin adoption. All right. Pierre Glinden Hughes has this one from Bitcoin Magazine. Central bank digital currencies are being actively deployed and discussed in many major nations in the world, including 19 of the G20 countries and around 105 others worldwide, as shown by Atlantic Council statistics in 2022. They are being advanced rapidly, and it is expected that some nations such as Australia, South Korea, and the United States will start implementing CBDCs in the near future following the lead of China who recently began launching theirs in early of 2022. This is not recent news, but it is something which should periodically be mentioned as it should scare all of us, or at least be of some concern to anyone that utilizes any form of money in their daily lives, which is, you know, pretty much everybody. There is only one potential benefit to CBDCs. Essentially, governments causing the collapse of their own currencies by removing as many properties of money as they can before people realize that it is no longer stable to anyone else in their nation or around the world. CBDCs are said to be inspired by Bitcoin, with the only potential similarity being a distributed public ledger. However, I postulate that in many governments' eyes, a public ledger denotes being owned and therefore only accessible by the state because they are the voice of the people at least in theory. The expected horrors of CBDCs are discussed at length by many Bitcoiners on Twitter and elsewhere, but very few that I have found have anything good to say, which I would like to change. Oh, for God's sakes. CBDCs will most likely implement primarily Keynesian principles 
as it seems to be the prevailing school of economics in most of the Western world, whichever principles the United States CBDC adopts will likely serve as the blueprint for all others. Some of these principles could be money that can expire, be automatically taxed, only be spent in certain sectors, and be a fully permissioned-based form of transaction, meaning that people will be forced to make specific transactions that they may not want to make, forcing a heightened time preference on or being forced to forego investments in sectors of their choosing. Purchases of Bitcoin using CBDCs will very likely become impossible or at least increasingly difficult as no government wants the money competing with the one that they control. This is a terrifying prospect. How will Bitcoiners and new adopters acquire more Bitcoin before the fiat system inflates itself into collapse? Well, this will possibly create a more circular economy as fewer people will want to hold their transactional power in the form of a fully centralized and supervised system. They will very likely make the decision to start paying and accepting Bitcoin for each and every transaction. This way, they're not forced to spend their money to attempt to stimulate economic growth by spending their expiring CBDCs that they would have otherwise saved for a rainy day or to avoid additional unjust taxes. This is very similar to the exceedingly common practice of many businesses around the world providing their services at a discount for cash payments to avoid paying taxes on those services. This was particularly prevalent in places such as Greece, where the practice allegedly started because Greeks did not want to pay taxes to the foreign Ottomans who controlled the region at the time. The practice has evidently continued because people feel that an additional taxation on everyday transactions from any power, be it local or foreign, is unjust and excessive. In the eyes of some, this is a form of corruption. However, it should not be labeled as such because corruption implies that the people who are hiding these transactions are in positions of power that they are exploiting as opposed to being the ones who are exploited by unnecessary taxation from their government. It is likely that CBDCs are likely going to phase out the small amount of paper currency that still forms part of world econ uh, economies today. <clears throat> this means that these countries will rely on technological education and word of mouth explanations as to how it works. This will cause a rise in technological know-how in these nations, meaning it should be ever easier to onboard otherwise unwilling members of society to Bitcoin once they realize the false value they are holding instead of a hard money. In other words, CBDCs will possibly be the perfect trigger to cause mass adoption and spark a Bitcoin circular economy. At the end of the day, it does not matter how much one loves their government or opposes its very existence. The sheer inconvenience of having everyone's transactions moderated and limited based on arbitrary metrics such as carbon emission scores or nutritive value scores is enough to turn anyone away from that monetary medium. With people's savings potentially being eaten away to promote faster and more spending overall, people will realize how bad specific Keynesian principles are. These principles are promoted and considered true by many modern economists today. The average people in the modern world using those principles practically have to invest all of their wealth to ensure that they are not bankrupted by inflation while running the risk of potential malinvestments. 
Many people would be significantly more productive to society by developing their own businesses and would also be happier overall if they could just, you know, store their wealth and hard money that consistently appreciates in value with economic growth instead of being forced to create the meme economy that we have experienced in the past few years. This would likely worsen with the implementation of CBDCs. CBDC implementation and adoption will likely not be an overnight change. The time that it would probably take for Bitcoin adoption to occur would be heavily dependent on which terrifying features the specific CBDCs implement. These CBDCs will cause a great deal of pain and suffering over the time which they are actively used. The pain that they will bring and the practices they will implement aren't anything new, but are simply a furthering of currently used practices. This will continue until people begin interacting pseudonymously using Bitcoin for their store of wealth and move entirely away from any form of fiat currencies. Creating a vibrant, successful circular economy will hasten the adoption and incentive for usage of Bitcoin. Harder money with higher saleability needs to offer no better incentive for adoption than a rapidly failing currency due to a decline in saleability and an increase in inflation. If no one wants your money, why do you keep it? Today, Zimbabwean dollars hold value only as a collector's item, but have no use for goods and services. In turn, this allowed multiple competing currencies to take its place, primarily the South African Rand and the United States dollar, until the dollar inevitably won and all of Zimbabwe became dollarized. The same will likely happen to the dollar and Bitcoin will take its place due to inflation and a likely CBDC, which will detract all that is good from the dollar. There are many other steps that Bitcoin will need to take to allow simplistic adoption for the greater world population. More platforms and wallets will need to begin offering lightning payments and the use of SMS, you know, text messages, transactions, such as the recent development in South Africa. The outlook is somewhat hopeful on the front of CBDCs and their ability to push more people out of fiat and into the world of Bitcoin. All right, so that's the end of the article. But there is definitely something that I want to say about this notion of the rise of CBDCs causing a pressure wave that ignites a Bitcoin circular economy. Let's look at the formation of our own solar system, right? Has anybody ever asked themselves, how the hell did we get our sun? Well, it was because of the explosion of another sun. Check it out, check it out. This is really cool. So we all, in this galaxy, there's a lot of dust and, and leftover hydrogen, like tons and tons of hydrogen and helium. And they're all in these big gaseous clouds. And I mean, it's not all interspersed, you know, congruently throughout the, the, the uh, galaxy, right? Let's just take our galaxy uh, as an instance. There's pockets of, you know, highly dense gas. And then there's places in, in interstellar regions where there's damn near nothing but gamma radiation. So if you think that it's all spaced out equally, you're wrong. It's just the way the galaxy works. So there's these huge gas clouds we our solar system was in one of these like nebula kind of things and a sun or a star that was kind of far away decided to go fucking supernova now we don't we're not sure if this is actually true but this is the best guess scenario and it works there was another sun that went supernova and as it did as it expanded 
it compressed a bunch of gas and dust together. And all of a sudden it got into a point where the gravity of the local pressure wave that compressed all this stuff, that little local area started feeling the effects of gravity and then gravity took over and further compressed gas and dust and all kinds of shit into our sun. And it became so compressed that it finally ignited. And as that happened, the rest of the dust that starts is still swirling because the effects of gravity, they start to accrete into the planets and whatnot that we have today. So our sun was in fact ignited by the explosion of another sun. Now think of it like that. Bitcoin is this gaseous, malleable, we're not quite sure what the hell's going on kind of thing. But we do have this star over here that we do know its properties. We know its mass. We know everything about it. And it suddenly just explodes. And that's all it took for this little portion that create the, of, of that same nebulous cloud, that little tiny portion, it's all it took to change the local nature of what was going on to ignite a sun into nuclear fusion, create rocky inner planets and gaseous outer planets, and boom, we have the solar system, which is two-thirds of the way out of one of the spiral arms of the Milky Way galaxy. So you think about it that way, and it becomes easier to see that the implosion of the fiat system that we have, that we're watching right now, may very well create that pressure wave that causes people to gravitate to the shelling point that is Bitcoin and then ignition of a Bitcoin circular economy. That's what we can hope for. And if we continue to educate each other and everybody that we can find, we may actually reach what's called critical mass. Let's move on. Ubisoft cools off on NFTs and blockchain, says it's in research mode. Sounds like a bullshit thing to me. Uh, Brian Quarmby has it for Cointelegraph. Yves Guillemont, the CEO of French gaming giant Ubisoft, appears to have cooled the rhetoric behind the company's non-fungible token gaming project Quartz, noting in a recent interview that it was merely a research mode <laughs> concerning Web3 tech integrations. It's a relatively different take from other Ubisoft execs in the past, including Chief Financial Officer Frederick Duguet, who in October stated that blockchain integrations will enable users to own and earn content, and the firm wants to be one of the key players. During a Saturday interview with GameIndustry.biz, Guy Mont appears to be walking some of those comments back, emphasizing that at this stage, Ubisoft is primarily looking to discover how NFTs can be applied to games and whether they will benefit games or not. Quote, we are very much on cloud on the new generation of voxels and we're looking at all the Web3 capabilities. We tested a few things recently that are giving us more information on how it can be used and what we should do in the universe of video games. He said, adding that quote, so we are testing ground with some games and we'll see if they really answer to the player's needs, but we are still in research mode, I would say, end quote. Ubisoft announced its first foray into NFTs back in December after launching a beta version of Ubisoft Quartz aimed at offering gamers playable NFTs that could be utilized in games such as Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint. 
The move was met with strong pushback from some members of the NFT hating gamer community. Thank God for them. With some accusing the firm of milking every cent possible out of its popular game franchise by introducing NFTs into the mix. Nicholas Pouillard, the vice president at Ubisoft's Strategic Innovations Lab, defended the company's NFT efforts in January, stating, quote, I think gamers don't get what a digital secondary market can bring to them, end quote. Reflecting on Ubisoft's NFT rollout, Guillaume says the firm ultimately did, uh, hold on. Good Lord have mercy. I hate it when I forget to turn my damn phone off. And that was just, we were all interrupted by a a toll-free call from someone unknown. Screw you, dude. Let's see if we can get back into this one. Quote, we're probably, we probably were not good at saying we were researching, he said, adding that, quote, we should have said that we were working on it. And when we have something that gives you a real benefit, we'll bring it to you. By God, the levels of bullshit. The Ubisoft CEO was also questioned about the environmental impacts of blockchain tech, something which is often highlighted by gamers who generally confuse energy intensive proof of work chain as the industry standard for all projects. Garamont noted that he's very cautious about the environmental impacts of the sector. He's optimistic that these issues will be ironed out over time. Quote, like so many things at the beginning, it's not as good as it could be, but like other new technologies, they will find the right way. Yeah, like how many GPUs are gamers using? How many strands of Christmas lights can you burn on the electricity of a, you know, NVIDIA Quadro? I'm just saying, man, it's just, this is, okay, but, but back to, uh, sorry, I got off, getting off on a tangent. Back to what they're doing. You see how they're walking this back and how they're saying, oh, I'm sorry. We, we, we should have said we were working on it. No, that's not ever what they said. That was never the intent. They went full bore into a bullshit market and they got burned at the stake like the witches that they are. And now their spirits are coming back from hell or heaven or purgatory or wherever the fuck it is they are saying, we're sorry, we didn't really mean to say that we were, you know, going to force you to do NFTs and, and basically build enough infrastructure around this game that you can't get away from them. No, 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 no. We were just really experimenting. See how this works? This is why... I hate large corporations. It's like they all read from the same playbook. It's like they all go to a conference, how to lie to our customers when we're wrong. 2022, maybe it's in Miami. I don't know. It's just, they got burned. They got burned to death and it, it, it's just going to be bad. Now, before we read numbers, Fidelity is considering offering Bitcoin to retail investors per a Wall Street Journal article. However, this is Matt DeSilvo writing for Decrypt.co going to tell us about it. Fidelity customers may soon be able to buy Bitcoin via the company's brokerage platform, according to the Wall Street Journal. Boston-based investment giant Fidelity, which manages over 34.4 million retail accounts, and is one of the world's biggest fund managers, is evaluating whether or not to offer Bitcoin to its individual investors, the newspaper reported on Monday. The journal added that the company has not yet shared the plans with its clients. Fidelity has an app that allows its retail customers to manage their investments from their phones. 
Fidelity didn't immediately respond to Decrypt's request for comment, but Galaxy Digital CEO Mike Novogratz said earlier today at New York's SALT forum that he had heard rumors of the firm's plans. Yeah, this is how you leak shit into the environment, guys. Use people like Mike Novogratz. Quote, a little birdie told me, a little bird in my ear told me Fidelity is going to shift its retail customers into crypto soon enough. I hope that bird is right, end quote. He tied Fidelity's reported plans to those recently announced by global investment firms Franklin Templeton and BlackRock Solutions as part of a constant march of institutional adoption of Bitcoin. Fidelity has been delving into the world of crypto for some time now. In April, news broke that Fidelity, which is also America's largest provider of 401k savings accounts, would launch a product that allows workers to save 20% of retirement funds in Bitcoin. The firm also launched two new exchange-traded funds this year that give clients exposure to companies in the crypto and metaverse space. It has also filed an application with the SEC to launch a Bitcoin ETF that would, if approved, give customers direct exposure to the digital asset. Last year, Fidelity Global Macro Director Urin Trimmer <clears throat> or Timmer said that the biggest cryptocurrency by market cap had a unique advantage over gold. Quote, Bitcoin is gaining credibility and as a digital analog of gold, but with greater convexity, my guess is that Bitcoin will, over time, take more market share from gold. My God, that's the end of the article, but <laughs> dude, that's just a real milk toast way of making a statement. Of course it will over time in in guessing that Bitcoin takes more market share from gold. Of course it does. How much? See, you won't ever say, you know, make a make a statement. Make a statement. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. We got energy prices, well, tanking because of the CPI read, but let's get into it. West Texas Intermediate, $2.29 uh, points to the downside, $85. Did I say $2? Let me do this again. West Texas Intermediate down 2.29 points to $85.78. Britain North Sea likewise down 2.5 points to $91.69. Natural gas up a scant one-third of a point, holding at $8.28 per thousand. Gasoline down a third of a point to $2.43. Nobody really got, uh, you know, nobody got good on that one. Uh, all shiny metal rocks are down and down hard, dude. Palladium, biggest loser at check this shit out. Seven and a half points. Gold is down one and a half to 1715 bucks. Silver likewise down 2.14%. Platinum down two and a half percent. Copper down one and a half percent. Agricultural futures are mixed and scant gains. The only thing that I've seen here, biggest loser is cotton, 3.2% of the downside. Everything else, almost everything else is either up or down under a full point. We got the Dow down 2.74% as to be expected. S&P cratering 3%. NASDAQ getting shot in the head by minus 4%. And the S&P only slightly off life support at 2.64% to the downside. Real money having woes, $20,762.35. 
with 1.44 million BTC changing hands in the past 24 hours. We have an average transaction value of 5.4 BTC, a median transaction value of 0.024 BTC. That's $500 exactly. Block times are low, nine minutes, 36 seconds, 0.09 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and uh, 14 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period with a decrease of 8.83% in hash rate. We are still at 237 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator Doge is exactly at six United States pennies, 8,700, no, that just ticked over 8,970 transactions awaiting seven blocks to clear. We have a market capitalization of $397.8 billion, which is 3.53% of gold's market cap. And if you so choose, you can pick up 12.2 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,149,567. 4,600, nope, 4,762 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $98.9 million being run over 17,219 nodes, sporting 85,124 payment channels. And we're still below 70% on Tor capacity, holding at 69.5%. Uh, yeah, we need it. Those are rookie numbers, guys. We got to get those nodes. Get if you if you've been wanting to run a node, now's the best time to run a node. If you can get your hands on a Raspberry Pi or possibly uh, call up Start Nine and get one of their units. Um, some of this hardware is kind of hard to get because supply chain. You know, because we decided to burn the whole world down. But if you can get your hands on it, I recommend. My Node BTC. That's the node software that I use on my Raspi Blitz, or no Raspi Blitz, on my Raspberry Pi 4. That's what I've been using. I've been very happy with it. I think my node is three years old. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. Cryptocurrency is picking up as an instrument for tyranny. Oh yeah. Justin O'Connell, Cointelegraph. What's it all about, Justin? Proponents paint Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as antidotes to totalitarian governments and central banks. Simultaneously, international corporations and startups alike have designed blockchain platforms and products that could be used on behalf of totalitarian governments and central banks. One example is Microsoft, which applied for a patent for a cryptocurrency system using body activity data. As part of the cryptocurrency mining process, the cryptocurrency system gives a task to your device instructing you to complete a human body activity. A sensor in the user's device registers the body activity, and then the cryptocurrency system rewards the user. Ah, dopamine. The sensed body activity is associated with the received task and transmits the generated body activity data to a system or network which verifies the body activity data to award cryptocurrency. How is this not Pavlov's dog? If you don't know what I'm talking about, Pavlov is spelled P-A-V-L-O-V. You need to go read this. You need to go find it. You need to go read about it. Okay, every time he rang a bell, he was able to make a dog salivate, and he did it through training. Just saying. It's reminiscent of the Justin Timberlake 
movie in time where a future society uses time from one's lifespan as its primary currency with each individual possessing a clock on their arm that counts down how long they have to live. When the clock hits zero, they're dead. Yeah, even though it's Justin Timberlake, and you may think that it's just like, oh my God, I don't want to see that shit. It's actually a good movie. It could have been better. Everything could be better, I suppose. But that's a good movie. You should go watch that shit. Okay, Smart Key. Olstazin, uh, Poland leveraged, uh, uh, sorry, Olstalin, Poland leveraged the Ethereum blockchain to run a trial of Smart Key a bridging technology that connects blockchain technology to the lock to your home, for example. They say it's to aid in police, fire, and ambulance services. Read for your safety. Smart Key allows emergency crews to enter any building in the city without needing to find the key holder or wait for permission. Quote, the need for our rescue services to perform their duties without obstruction is a delicate one. The use of blockchain and smart key technology seems to be like the perfect solution, giving reassurances to building owners and inhabitants, but also freedom from our, for our emergency services. According to Gustav Marek Breznin, <clears throat> the marshal of the Warminsko Mazazuki video ship in, in which Ostland is located. <clears throat> Man, that was hard. As any student of political science knows, the bedrock of any constitution is the freedom for our emergency services. <laughs> central bank digital currencies next. The central, the European Central Bank noted in a white paper that it would be possible to track every single CBDC transaction in a nation. All transactions under such a regime would be known to the central bank and anyone with whom the bank chooses to share that information. With the digital currency, central banks can impose restrictions on the holding of money. The ECB has discussed capping the amount a person can hold, limiting the time a person can hold that amount of money, and imposing negative interest rates on amounts that the bank deems excessive. Good God, similar functionality is present in the Bank of China's CBDC. Dystopian policies can be implemented more easily with the digital currency, including negative interest rates and more. Mass surveillance. Ledger founder Pascal Gaffet sees the European Union's transfer of funds regulation bill as little more than mass surveillance. Quote, imagine you got a wallet, your leather wallet, and you've got cash in it. Now, every time that you're going to pay in cash somewhere, you're going to have to flash your ID and they're going to note your name, Gauther said. This is not the world I want to live in. End quote. He added, quote, some groups in the European Parliament have some very specific and dogmatic agendas and are using excuses to ban Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies as much as possible. Rumors they've heard like, oh, I heard it's for money launderers, end quote. World Economic Forum, the Davos-based WEF, which is best known perhaps for bringing humanity the Great Reset, notes in a blog post on its website that blockchain is capable of bringing about an industrial revolution in which the biological, technological, and physical worlds, in which, whatever, that's a bad sentence, but that's exactly how it read. Sorry, guys. It's going to do that by enabling the tracking of almost anything, including food, medical supplies such as vaccines. It's a shared immutable ledger that facilitates the process of recording transactions and tracking assets in a business network that WEF notes, citing an IBM assessment of blockchain tech. 
Quote, an asset can be tangible, house, car, cash, land, or intangible like intellectual property and patents. Virtually anything of value can be tracked and traded on a blockchain network, reducing risk and cutting costs for all involved. End quote. As the WEF and IBM wrote, <clears throat> uh, blockchain makes a world of ubiquitous surveillance possible. All right. He is not lying. Justin is not lying. This shit you know, just because we have Bitcoin does not mean that it can't be used for evil. And now most of this stuff is like other blockchains. Yeah, as far as, as Bitcoin is concerned, we have the tool set and the foundation to build upon the tool set. Well, okay, I'm sorry. We have the tool set. We have Bitcoin as the foundation and we have a tool set, human minds, to be able to build what we want. Other people are going to build what they want. The, the foundation is agnostic. It doesn't care. Bitcoin doesn't give a shit if you want to use it for evil. It also doesn't care if you want to use it for good. It's all up to us. We're in the driver's seat, whether you want to be here or not. It's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to all of us. How do we, how do we make sure that this drives down the right road? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's only ever one road that humanity drives down and it is both good and evil at the exact same time. I was talking to my sister the other day. Imagine a, a room with no windows that is filled with furniture and the walls, the ceiling, and all the furniture is exactly white and every square inch of every surface, walls and furniture alike, on top, on the side, on the bottom, emits the exact same amount of light, white light. What happens? You have no shadows. You have a completely lit room that you are unable to walk in. That's right. If, you, if you're thinking the way that I'm thinking, then what you see is just this space of just ghastly white or pure good. And you can't walk around that room because you can't see the table. You can't see the sofa. You can't see the walls. The only thing that you know for sure is the floor. That's it. Everything else you can't see. Why do I bring this up? Because darkness defines the light. Without the shadows in the room, you don't know what the hell you're about to hit. Good requires evil. Evil doesn't exist without good. We travel the same road together. We have to keep at least in balance. That's what the yin-yang symbol actually means. The center of good is the, it, the, the heart of good is evil or black. And the heart of evil is good. That white circle. If, you've, if you don't know what the yin-yang symbol is, Y-I-N Y-A-N-G. Look up yin-yang and you'll see the symbol and you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. We're not getting away from evil like we're not getting away from shit chains, like we're not getting away from human greed. Okay? We have to live with it. There is no utopia in our future. It's never going to happen. But that doesn't mean that life can't be extremely good and you can't be extremely happy but you will have to deal with heartbreak and people fucking you over and people trying to take advantage of you. Try to stay away from those people. 
identify those things, whether they're people or technologies or usages of technologies, and identify that they are being used for evil and do everything you can to reduce your own personal attack surfaces against them. I think that's about the best that we can do. And I, I really don't think that that is a pessimistic view. It's just a real view. And this is also a real view, as it's an opinion by Daniel Kuhn from Coindesk. Bitcoin should change slowly. <laughs> Bitcoin is slow to change. Transaction speeds are too slow for a global payment system. The community is reluctant to embrace novelty and the rate of new innovation in comparison to nearly every other blockchain is tortoise-like. Fortunately for Bitcoin, I believe its slow and steady pace will ultimately be its superpower. This year, Ethereum will undergo a radical upgrade known as the merge. This event, scheduled for mid-September, will change the underlying consensus mechanism that allows blockchains to function from something like Bitcoin's proof-of-work system to a more experimental mode called proof of stake. It's a development that has been underway for years. Vitalik Buterin, co-founder of Ethereum, announced at a Paris-based Ethereum conference that after the merge, Ethereum will still only be 55% complete. There's a list of upgrades to Ethereum slated for the next two decades. The Ethereum community, Buterin cautioned, should learn to expect short-term pain and long-term gains. This mentality of development opens Ethereum up to new possible features, but also risk. Herein lies the opportunity for Bitcoin, an opportunity to embrace its slow rate of change so that it can become the world's most valuable forever database. I've heard blockchains described a million different ways, an immutable ledger, a shared system for recording data, a growing list of records secured by cryptocurrency. All of that's fine, but for the average person, these explanations are confusing. The simplest definition of a blockchain is a forever database. Maybe you're a total beginner and you can't picture a database. No problem. A database is basically a fancy Excel spreadsheet and a forever database is one in which you write data that is stored, well, you know, forever. Due to a series of design decisions, blockchains are immutable. Well, some are. Theoretically, the data stored becomes a bulletproof record of truth for thousands of generations to come. Since Bitcoin went live on January the 3rd, 2009, the network has never gone down. It's never been hacked. It's never stopped storing new data. Bitcoin is also a currency that can't be inflated, a selling point that has become the network's chief use case. The bookkeeping is never wrong. Imagine being able to trust that a thousand years from now, your data and money will still be accessible. Not only that, but people living many generations into the future could verifiably trust that this ledger is true. That's power. Forever databases enable novel use cases beyond money-like instruments, which are primarily being explored on networks beyond Bitcoin. Mike Bodge's crypto art project, Ox Infinity, which is the zero X infinity, uh, allows you to publish love letters. The site claims will last forever, or as long as the Ethereum network is running. Arweave is a file storage service that claims to store documents and applications forever, and Startling Labs is a project among other things and has uploaded 56,000 Holocaust survivor testimonials to preserve evidence of human rights abuses and protect against future disinformation. 
A forever database ensures the integrity integrity of our collective memories in a way that previous databases could not. And yet, consistency is the key ingredient. As long as Ethereum, Solana, and other blockchains continue to upgrade their code base, they can't compete on consistency. In early 2022, the Solana blockchain, known for its move fast and break things mentality, suffered not one, but two outages, each of which took down the network for several hours. The key superpower that makes a blockchain a forever database is being resilient to outages. A forever database should never go down. If it does, let's just call it a database, not a forever database. For Bitcoin to thrive, users need to do more than just hold their money. Bitcoin needs to become productive. There is an opportunity for Bitcoins to harness the power of their forever database through the use of additional layers like Lightning or Stacks so that they can build new applications. Stacks is an example of a layer that adds programmability to Bitcoin. With Stacks Clarity smart contracts, you can create applications like social networks, photo sharing apps, chat apps, where the underlying transactions are secured by Bitcoin. On Ethereum, similarly, Polygon is a popular layer developers use to scale Ethereum network. The difference is that if Ethereum were to fail, Polygon and all of Ethereum's additional layers would follow, falling like a house of cards. We need a new layer, <clears throat> one that can access Bitcoin's forever database. It and only it can be a complete system on which we build the future. In 2010, Satoshi Nakamoto, Bitcoin's founder, first encouraged the idea of building layers on Bitcoin, quote, I think it would be possible for a blockchain to be completely a completely separate network and separate blockchain, yet share CPU power with Bitcoin. What Nakamoto saw back then was the opportunity for Bitcoin to be more than just money. If we wish to create a forever database, we must celebrate Bitcoin's approach to long-term stability. This is what Vitalik Buterin was doing when he said Ethereum should become more Bitcoin-like by emphasizing long-term stability. Both Bitcoin and Ethereum will do great things for humanity. I am sorry, I, I, I know it's, it's sticking in my throat a little bit. I'm excited to see them each take their own approach to building the future. As Ethereum evolves swiftly, I believe it will continue to innovate. However, until Ethereum settles down, it will lose its standing in the race to become a forever database. It's taking on too much risk, and the world may never know exactly what Ethereum will look like until decades down the line. This is Bitcoin's moment. Bitcoin needs to embrace building layers. Bitcoin should not remain as money. It must learn how to be productive. Ultimately, I believe slow and steady is the secret to winning the race because while fast may get all of our attention, it's slow that has all the power. Okay, I, I clearly have some detailed disagreements here just in the nuance of some of the way that he was phrasing some of these sentences. But overall, you know, Daniel Kuhn's correct. The move fast and break things is not as solid as the, you can't kill it. I would much rather put my money in something you can't kill than something that I uh, just, I don't, I don't know what Ethereum's monetary policy is and nobody else does either. And the reason is, is because it's changed so many times and it's about to change again. And it's going to change after that and change after that and change after that again. Maybe we should look at Bitcoin and Ethereum as good and evil traveling down the same road. 
I don't necessarily believe that Buterin is evil, although I do think he's kind of a grifter. Still, I don't think he's all inherently evil. I don't think he's some kind of Beelzebub. I mean, he's just too frail to be a fucking demon. I'm just saying that, I, and I'm not saying that we should embrace each other. I, I do not think that we are, are in the same fight. I think Ethereum is, is more aligned with what we already have, which is bad. And Bitcoin is aligned with something we haven't ever seen before. I want the something we haven't seen before. I want the something that can't be killed. I want the something that's been alive for 12 years and it's never stopped. All right, that's, that's what I want. That's not only what I want, that's kind of what I need. I have to have it. The rest of life doesn't make sense without it the way the world is going. Pick your own battles. I can't tell you what to do, but if you're looking at, at Ethereum, I would look elsewhere. Just I'm just saying. Russia eyes Bitcoin for international trade in 2023 as per a report. Uh, this is Bitcoin Magazine's Sean Amick. Russia may begin accepting Bitcoin and some cryptocurrencies as payment for international trade in 2023, per a report from local media company in Izvestia. The announcement of a timeline for the usage of the alternative payment method for cross-border payments comes a week after the Russian Central Bank and Ministry of Finance agreed the move would be necessary. Ivan Chebuskov, director of the financial stability market for the Russian Ministry of Finance, was cited in the Izvesta report as the source for the timeline, which was reportedly confirmed by Anatoly Aksakov, the head of the State Duma Committee, Russia's legislative governing party. Quote, we have a number of legislative initiatives that we're working out in order, uh, but which have not yet been formally submitted to the government, end quote. According to Chibeskov, Russia will enable businesses to choose whether they want to use Bitcoin or some cryptocurrencies allowed by the state. The operations of this procedure are expected to be facilitated by the Moscow and St. Petersburg stock exchanges, quote, therefore... There may be different options for how international payments can be implemented. He noted his confidence toward government approval as there is a growing support among legislators hoping to approve the process of using digital assets for international trade. Quote, also, I know that there are deputies in the state Duma who are actively engaged in this topic. Perhaps it will be their initiative. There are like-minded people in this direction, Chebeskov said. In the same vein, the Minister of Energy stated in the report that the use of digital assets can help to reduce pressure from sanctions by allowing small and medium-sized businesses to transact internationally. Daniel Egorov, the head of the Federal Tax Service, assured the conversations, or sorry, sorry, assured that conversations about taxation for the process of international trade with Bitcoin are also being discussed. Quote, after consultation with the central bank, this decision will be made, Egorov said. There are also interdepartmental debates on whether or not to classify Bitcoin and some cryptocurrencies as property, according to the report. This designation would also affect the way these transactions are taxed. Indeed, Russia has ebbed and flowed from lockstep to contemptuous deliberation concerning Bitcoin and its use for international payments. The Bank of Russia at one point was discussing a ban which led Russian President Vladimir Putin to announce his support for mining Bitcoin. 
Then, a bill was proposed earlier this year by the Russian government addressing regulation of digital assets, which was followed by a proposal from the Ministry of Finance. So we're getting closer to Russia actually pulling the trigger on this. What do I expect to happen? You know what I expect to happen. They're going to pull in India and they're going to flip-flop. I expect it mid-January. Just saying. Also in the news, I'm not going to get into it, but BitGo sues Galaxy Digital for acquisition breach and they're seeking $100 million in damages. Mike Belshi is the CEO of BitGo. He was one of the people that signed the New York agreement. He's also the, uh, well, the only person that ever apologized for signing the New York agreement is that dude running for Senate in New Hampshire. And I can't remember his name offhand, but he seems to like Mar- Marmots. Is that the guy? I can't remember. Nobody else apologized. Nobody else apologized for causing the forks of Bitcoin Cash, which then itself Bitcoined or forked off into Bitcoin Satoshi Vision, which enabled fucking Craig Wright and that shit ass pedophile Calvin Ayer to go after solid Bitcoiners. Mike Belshi has never apologized for that. BitGo is a shitty Bitcoin company. I don't even really consider it a Bitcoin company. I consider it an anti-Bitcoin company. And here's Mike Belshi trying to get $100 million in damages out of Galaxy Digital and Mike Novogratz, which is Mike Novogratz's uh, outfit for acquisition breach. It's probably because he got over leveraged on Luna. Who knows? Screw that shit. And let's see. Oh, wallet service of top Bitcoin mining pool, Poolin, will issue IOU tokens after suspending withdrawals. This one I am going to read because it's important and it's short. This is... Uh, Coindesk, Oliver Knight and Eliza Gikritzi, I think is how you pronounce it. Poolin Wallet, the wallet service of one of the largest Bitcoin mining pools, has announced that it will issue IOU tokens to impacted customers after it froze withdrawals last week. In a Tuesday post on its official Medium account, Poolin Wallet said that it will calculate user balances across its native wallet and mining pool before issuing a total of six IOU tokens. Deposits made after September the 15th, when the IOUs will be distributed, will not be frozen and will not be affected by the IOU mechanism, the post said. The tokens will reflect a one-to-one ratio of user balances across Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tether, Litecoin, Zcash, Dogecoin. Poolin IOUs can be traded for the corresponding cryptocurrency used to buy new mining machines, or shares of the company. Otherwise, Poolin's intention is to gradually burn IOU tokens batch by batch. Users can also withdraw IOU tokens from the platform at any time. Users on Poolin's official Telegram channels didn't seem convinced by the solution, with some being confused about the mechanism and others compared the situation to Terra, which collapsed back in May. Poulin said that the reason behind the withdrawal freeze was related to liquidity issues. The value of cryptocurrencies has dwindled significantly this year, with Bitcoin sliding by more than 50% since the start of the year. The mining pool lost almost half of its compute power from August 30th, uh, 31st to September the 11th, according to Blocksbridge Consulting, a PR consultancy for miners that publishes research on the industry. Yeah, it kind of doesn't look good for Poulin, uh wallet, but you know what? We ain't got time. We got to tell a joke.
Got one from Dad Says Jokes. My ex wanted to humiliate me in front of her friends, so she said that I was useless in bed. Should have seen her face when they all disagreed. Oh, what have we learned today, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Well, we've learned ultimately that the human race is doomed to travel a single road and that that road itself leads everywhere, but is paved with both good and evil. The thoughts that we think, the tools that we build, the foundations that we lay, all have the elements of both good and evil. Try to be on the side of good, but understand that you will never get rid of evil because if you do, you will trip over every piece of furniture in the room. If you don't have shadows to define the light, you can't make your way through the flight. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.